In each episode of the Rebel Educator podcast, you'll hear discussions with world-class educators, students, and thought leaders in education as I extract the tactics, tools, and routines that you can use as teachers and parents. I'm Tanya Sheckley, founder of Up Academy and host of Rebel Educator. I invite you to join me for these conversations as I discover how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to resist tradition, reignite wonder, and reimagine the future of education. Subscribe to Rebel Educator wherever you get your podcasts. Edutech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed under the site in this program for those with participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to this episode of EduTech Guys Radio, brought to you by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools, both in Hope, Arkansas. I'm one of your hosts today, David Henderson. And I'm Jeff Madlock. And I'm Greg Moore. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. Um, we got a really cool show uh, coming up for you. Um, we will have super special guests. Dave Burgess, founder of the Teach Like a Pirate movement, and uh, we'll talk to him in just a second. Um, I do want to give a quick thank you out to CDWG for uh, helping us by providing some of the equipment that we're using for the show. Um, You are listening to radio.edutechguys.com. Feel free to uh, jump out to the site. Um, and uh, you can pull up the chat window, and we'll have the chat window available. You can also follow us on Twitter, at edutechguys. Um, and I'm sure... Don't forget Facebook. Uh, <laughs> com slash edutechguys. You can catch us there. Hey, listen, uh, if you head to the website, www.edutechguys.com, you can also find us, our nice little uh, contact form at the bottom there. You can also find the previous shows under the podcast link. And you can find lots of good blogs and stuff that'll help you out there. Yeah, man. Awesome stuff. So cool. All right. Um, I just um, lost, lost show my notes, show yeah. notes. I'm I'm so not driving. Bump, this bump. is they're gonna take my license away. I'm, I'm not <laughs> your, gonna be a Google driver radio anymore. Radio show license. My so, radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. I grew up in the day where you had to have one of those. So. <laughs> David and uh, Greg and I actually spent the day in uh, the morning in Little Rock, Arkansas, yeah. at the Innovation Hub there in North Little Rock. Uh, pretty cool place. Yeah. It's a massive makerspace area. Um, if you're in Little Rock, it's on Broadway on the North Little Rock, right yeah. off of, uh, is that 430? Oh, it's off the interstate. 30. No, yeah, off of I-30. Uh, it's right there on the other side of the river. It's a massive makerspace, lots of 3D printing equipment, laser cutters. Uh, in January, they're opening up their silver mine, which is a co-working area with an accelerator so that they can help get your business going in a whole new art section where they, they have graphics arts and you know pottery and painting and the whole bit. The neat part is is that your institution or school can uh, get a uh, uh, they can get a sponsorship with them, and which will allow your teachers to go there and do workshops and yeah. definitely take kids. They do what she said. They already did 250 kids this week on, a, on a, yeah. So they they bring in kids in one hour and one hour little uh, field trips and they do fun stuff. Well, we saw a neat thing where they were um, they were 3D printing um, 
uh, Christmas ornaments that the mm -hmm. kids had been making in an after-school program. Yeah. So uh, Innovation Hub, definitely North Little Rock, Arkansas. You want to see that place. It's really happening. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool. I think uh, the website is arhub.org. That's it, arhub.org. Arhub and uh, it, it's very cool. And you can, uh, you can also contact them if you want to take, uh, as Jeff mentioned, a group of students, but you can do field trips up there. And I think she said they were like two-hour-long field trips at a time. Um, I think uh, current pricing at the time of this broadcast is, I think she said like six bucks a kid or yeah. five bucks a kid. I can't remember how much it is. But it was, yeah, it was very inexpensive to have students go up there and, and uh, go through some of the maker space. I thought it was pretty cool. The, the current um, square footage is like they've got 6,000 square feet that's currently developed. And they are, uh, as Jeff mentioned, they are um, renovating and uh, they're adding 14,000 square feet to their uh, maker hub. It's just, man, <laughs> it's going to be huge. Be I'm looking experience. forward to going back um, January, February and checking it out. It's going to yeah, be cool. And if you're a student out there, you're just a citizen. It's open to the public. Interestingly enough, $40 a month buys you 100 hours. Uh, that's three hours a day. So you can go in and use any of the equipment there. And the cool part is the networking, the folks that you're going to run into. Yeah, and they've got, they've got we've only, we didn't even mention the woodworking stuff that they've got there and the welding, welding stuff they've yeah. got there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for, for 40 bucks a month for 100 hours, yeah. know, if you're looking to get a project done, if you want to learn Python and do some Raspberry Pi or you want to go in and, and build something or just get graphic work done, that's pretty neat deal. And, and sitting down next to all the other members that are there, you know, doing some work. Awesome so, stuff, yeah. So it was how a about lot of fun. We, uh, you want to jump into this? Yeah, man. I say we, I say we get this rolling. Um, we would like to uh, extend a very special welcome to Dave Burgess. Uh, he is the founder of the Teach Like a Pirate movement. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, man. This is cool. We're uh, very glad to have you on. Um, this is uh, this is very cool. I'm I'm very uh, I keep saying the same words over and over. Sorry. I'm, it's, <laughs> the more you repeat it, the more. It's I know good. it's yeah. That's right. It's, it's like being a stupid teeny bopper. <laughs> uh, we just but any, anywho. So uh, let's uh, let's skip all my rambling and uh, let's uh, tell uh, tell folks in case they don't know who you are. Uh, tell folks uh, who you are and and a little bit about the. Uh, um, teach like a pirate movement, and we'll get into some of the specifics as we go along. But uh, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm Dave Burgess. Uh, I live in San Diego, California. Although I'm probably most often found in hotel rooms these days. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm the author of Teach Like a Pirate. So I was a teacher for 17 years at uh, West Hills High School. And while I was... had nothing to do with wanting teachers to attack and rob ships at sea, right? <laughs> right. <It's>, uh, <laughs> It's about uh, embracing the spirit of a pirate. And see, to me, the spirit of a pirate is someone who is unconventional, someone who's willing to reject the status quo, someone who's willing to sail into uncharted waters with no guarantee of success, a risk taker, a rebel, a maverick in the classroom. So it's kind of embracing that spirit of being a pirate. Yeah. And in addition to that, the P-I-R-A-T-E of the word pirate, it's an acronym. Each one of those letters stands for something in the system. And then the third layer of the metaphor is pirates are known for having hooks. And this is all about how you can add hooks into what you do in your classroom, into what you do in your school, to draw students into what you're doing. And so that's kind of the three layer. That's where the whole kind of pirate metaphor came from. Cool. That cool. is very cool. cool. So I was looking at some of the stuff, and I noticed all your hooks. You know, uh, they, they're pretty cool the way you've done the people prop hook the safari hook you've got tons of hooks out there um yep. so tell me when you get to when you work with a group of teachers 
what's the first one you wore? Because you got to have your, your old standby that you go with that you take first. Which one is your first hook that you throw out to them? Yeah, well, you know what? A lot of these hooks work before you even start. So uh, in T-Saga Pirate Language, we call that preheating the grill. So if, if, I, if I make a steak for you, like I don't put my steak down on a cold grill. I preheat my grill. And I do the same thing with, with workshops. I do the same thing with teaching. I do the same thing with content. Is that I want to I want to build up mystery, curiosity, anticipation, buzz before I even begin. Like if you have a steak and you set it down on a cold grill, what happens? Don't get a good steak. No, no, no. Nothing. Nothing happens, right? But if you set it down on a preheated grill, what happens? It starts to sizzle. It sizzles, and that's what we want to do. When we drop our content, when we when we deliver information to kids, when we uh, we want it to sizzle. And so I start by even by what they see when they walk in to a workshop is already starting to preheat the grill, build up that mystery, that curiosity, that buzz, that anticipation. Um, I love to use the taboo hook, where uh, it's human nature. We want to know stuff that we're not supposed to hear. And so when you position. <laughs> When you position things in a taboo way, sometimes that makes people want to know it even more. So there's all kinds of stuff that happens even before you begin that have to do with teach like a pirate hooks. That is awesome. That's by the by the way, when they walk Go ahead. When they walk in, what do they see? They see the costume hook. They see the guest speaker hook because they see me dressed up as well. Too, so Yeah. So when was the – tell us, if you can, in a quick moment. Um, yeah. You were teaching. When did it, when did it hit you? Did this did this come about over time or was it like an epiphany to just go oh this is it this is this is my air quote hook <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what so uh, I had been teaching for several years and I've been using a lot of these tactics but I didn't have them organized I wasn't very intentional about it and then in about 2005 my department chair came to me and said hey we're gonna put together a, the district is putting together a, a, like a summer institute put on by teachers in the district, I thought, how cool would it be if you put together a workshop based on some of that crazy stuff you do down in your room that nobody understands? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so then he said, like, but I'm not sure you can because I think that maybe your success is just kind of you. I think it's personality-driven. I'm not sure you could probably teach this stuff. And so he, and then I said, well, wait a second. Like, sign me up. And so I signed up to do a workshop, and I drove away from that meeting, like, just pulling my hair out back when I had hair and saying <laughs> – they're like, like, whoa, like, what have I just signed up for? Like, I don't have any of this. And so I got relentless about writing down every single thing that I do in my classroom that I thought was successful. But that wasn't good enough because that's what I did. I had to take a step back further and say, where do these ideas come from to, to begin with? How did I generate these ideas to begin with? And every time I came, I, I traced it back, it always went back to a question. It was a kind of question that I was asking about my lessons that maybe other teachers weren't asking about their lessons. So I began to compile those questions, eventually categorizing them into uh, 30 different kinds of hook, 170 questions. And so that became the centerpiece of the workshop that summer. It hit me that, cr that questions really are the key to creativity. If you want to change an educator's classroom, if you want to change a school, change their questions. If you can change their questions, then you change the whole you can change their their creative output yeah absolutely yeah. okay so as you were coming up with these and you and you were started writing down all of the questions that you were that you were coming up with and the things that were coming to your into your mind when when did you or or how did you tie the whole you know that 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 pirate theme that you have to what you were doing right so i'm kind of obsessed with uh creating way, packaging material in ways that it makes it easier for people to understand like that's what i think that we do as teachers is one of the things that we do is it's how we 
uh, packaged material, how we make things more accessible. And so I call it putting handles on material to make it easier to pick up. I always want to try to put handles on material to make it easier for them to pick up and take with them. And I wanted to do the same thing with the workshop. I wanted to be able to model and demonstrate some of the ideas that I had talked about in the book with my workshop. Like I, I wanted to be a character. I wanted to have use the costume hook, the guest speaker hook. I wanted to manipulate my physical environment using the interior design hook. I imagine that you put together a workshop that basically says you're going to teach people how to make their class unbelievably, like magically engaging. Well, you better have a pretty damn good workshop. Your workshop better be pretty, pretty engaging. If you're a whole, the whole thing you're saying is that you're going to help them make their class be wildly engaging. And sure, so sure. That, uh, I wanted to have a theme. Pirates really appealed to me because of that, that, the, uh, the spirit part. Um, when I put the acronym down on paper and I saw that the P and the E were right at the, the, the front and the end of the word, and I knew I wanted to talk about passion and enthusiasm as the cornerstones of the system. It just, it just worked out perfectly. It was a great fit. It's also allowed... Uh, I wanted to create a language. I wanted a way to a way for this to be able to spread, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we can talk about pirate teaching. We can talk about hooks. We can talk about all this stuff. And um, it's a way of branding that allowed it to be fun and easy to spread and to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so you, you've talked about two of the letters. So let's go through the acronym. What What is P-I-R-A-T-E? Yeah, so P stands for passion. And um, just to give you like a real quick view on how my take on this is yeah, that yeah. the simple truth of the matter is is that hey we're not passionate about everything that we teach and so you have to find other ways to constantly bring passion in the classroom and so the p chapter is all about how you can find other ways to be passionate even on the days when you're not particularly excited about your content mm -hmm. um so that's the p chapter the i chapter is immersion stands for immersion and inside this chapter i give away the number one top secret way to become a better lover Okay. So, <laughs> that could have been a whole book right there in and of itself, but no. The number one top secret way to become a better lover will transform your life and in many different ways, right? And so, uh, but it'll also help you transform your classroom. And so that that's in the I chapter. The R chapter stands for rapport. I think the three R's of education are relationships, relationships, and relationships. Mm. And so it's all about how you can build rapport with students. The A stands for ask and analyze. And so that's where we talk about how, how do you actually become more creative? And it goes, this at, the ask part of it is, it's all about your questions. And, it's, and so this is a chapter about how um, it dismisses the idea that people are just born creative or not creative. It's, that's not the way that it works. Everyone has creativity inside of them. It's just a matter of learning to ask the right questions. Um, so that's in the A chapter. The T, tap, the T chapter is transformation, about how you can transform school. And the way that kids look at school, the way they look at what's possible for themselves in their lives, even through through education and through these techniques, uh, it starts with a quote: "Provide an uncommon experience for your students, and they will reward you with an uncommon effort and attitude." Oh, right? Wow. And so, um, so it's all about how to transform school. And then the E stands for enthusiasm, which, uh, as Carlos Santana said, is the most contagious thing in the world. The song he said: "The songs become incidental." What people receive is your joy. And that's the way I feel about teaching. The lessons become incidental. What students will receive is your joy when you're enthusiastic. It's un, it's, it's, it is the most contagious thing in the world. So I guess my next question is, is that, so how many schools, because I know you do districts, you do schools, you do small venues, do you, you do large venues, it doesn't matter. You'll do any venue that's out there. 
How many schools are you having? Any schools fully develop, uh, adopt your whole plan as you know maybe the basis for first grade, second grade, third grade, eighth grade, seventh grade, whatever? Have you are you having any luck with that? Are you, anybody jumping on board? Absolutely. I mean, there's schools all over the world who are using Teach Like a Pirate methods, and uh, the book is translated into four languages. Um, it's uh, you know, there's whole districts that have used Teach Like a Pirate as their pirate themes and uh yeah i i've i've shown up at an event and had over 500 teachers dressed like pirates oh, wow. <laughs> that is awesome man <laughs> it's been super fun to to me it's not about selling books it's about spreading a message it's about building a community and building a community that supports each other and helps move move education forward and if you uh if you do that the books take care of themselves and so yeah it's it's it, it's been wonderful to see how well it's been received. You know, I noticed since we reached out to you, it's been a couple of months because we, we started, we talked to you like at the first of the school year. You know, we all work in school years. But I've noticed since then you, you have another one um, called Anchor, and that's for the administrative level, right? Isn't that for like the coaching staff to help keep this going? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we have, uh, we're constantly trying to build. So, we're, we also, Teach Like a Pirate, I don't know if you know this, but, um, Teach Like a Pirate, I published it from my kitchen table. Wow. wow. And so uh, I was so upset with traditional publishing and what those contracts look like. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that they, like, what, wait a second, this is my intellectual property. This is my, uh, this is my sweat equity. I'm going to write this thing. I'm going to travel and speak. I'm going to build a social media platform. And I make how much? And you make how much? Like, <laughs> it, just didn't make, it didn't make any sense to me. And plus, they wanted to take creative control of my project. And I didn't want – this was my manifesto. This was my story that I wanted to, to, to tell teachers and educators around the world. And so I told all those publishing companies exactly where to go, published it from my kitchen table. And if you – honestly, if you look at a traditional publishing contract, to me, the only thing missing is a ski mask and a gun. Okay? <laughs> you have to be kidding me that people sign these contracts. Like it's just not – it's not fair. And so we created uh, – taking what I learned on Teach Like a Pirate – We've now built a publishing company that helps other educators get their messages out, but uh, allows them to write their manifestos, allows them to retain their creative control, and also gives them the lion's share of the profits, too. And so um, uh, the one that you're talking about is Lead Like a Pirate. So the Lead Like a Pirate community in Lead Lab hashtag, L-E-A-D-L-A-P, that's the, uh, put together by my wife, Shelly, and Beth Huff, a principal from Missouri, along with um, the help of many other leaders in the community. And so, yeah, we're developing a leadership component of the Teach Like a Pirate community right now um, and all about how you can shift the culture of your school and how you can spread these messages and develop pirate teachers. And we also have all sorts of, you know, like we just put out Explore Like a Pirate, uh, which is a book on gamification and game uh, game inspired course design by Michael Matera, who's a gamification guru. And we have Learn Like a Pirate. I mean, we have... uh, all sorts of books that we put out from, you know, George Kuros, who's one of the top thinkers in education right now, um, The Innovator's Mindset. We have great stuff on Genius Hour and Innovation with Don Wetrick. We have Media Literacy with Julia uh, Julie Smith. Um, we have Mindfulness and Balance with the Zen Teacher. So we have, a, like, a whole line of books, um, including in the text, text space, too, with Alice Keeler writes for us. Alice Keeler is one of the top tech bloggers in the world. Yeah. 
And um, so she writes for us with uh, she did a Google Classroom book with us and Matt Miller with the Ditch That Textbook brand. Yes. Um, and, and we so, so we published Matt too. So we have uh, a huge line of, of great educators that we're working with and we're super pumped about helping them get their messages out too. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Cool. So if if, uh, if there's a, if there's an educator out there that wants to join your team, uh, go to dayburgess.com. Yeah, best place would probably be dayburgessconsulting.com. Okay. Uh, they can re- they can reach us either way, but dayburgessconsulting.com is kind of the hub and uh, yeah, and then pitch us. So, I mean, we can't we can't do every book, but we we have like a little set of little criteria that we're looking for the books that are in our brand and so we have people sending us manuscripts every week. So we're happy to take a look at stuff. Sure. That is awesome. That is very cool. Man, that's, you know, and that's, to me, the fact that you started up your own publishing company really, I mean, that feeds into the philosophy that you've been, you know, telling teachers about, you know, how to do this with your students, think outside the box and throw away the traditional methods. There you go. You know, you know, it's time, it's time to become disruptive. And the, what's, what's, what's been done traditionally, what the status quo is, is, is it's not working, it's not serving kids. And in, my, in, in the case of what I was looking at, the traditional publishing industry was, wasn't serving people on either side. And that you were getting cookie-cutter books with uh, uh, horrible um, covers with not, you know, that were written more academically, formal, formally, as opposed to, I, you know, I want a practitioner. I want someone who's out there doing it. I want someone who is actually not saying like, hey, here's some theory about education. I want to know, hey, when you stand up in front of some kids, what actually works? Yes, so, exactly. so we're looking for practitioners is what we're looking for. And that's why I think our books are, are resonating. And plus they're conversational. Like you read some of these books and you have to go through like 15 footnotes of research before you get to something that's usable, right? Like I want someone to talk to me um, like as if we were across the table from each other. And, you know, when you talk to someone and they're passionate about education and you can see their, their facial, the gestures, their intonation, their, uh, their, their, the way that they move their hands and slam down the table, and you're like, wow, this person's on fire about this stuff. But then all of a sudden they sit down on a computer and it sucks all that out of them and all of a sudden they have to be formal. And so we want people to, to put that into the books. And so that's something that we're pushing for with our authors. Yeah, that's that's very cool, and I, and I will tell you that's a, um, that's it's a hard thing to find in some folks because, uh, as you said, I mean we we speak one way, and and you know with certain words that we use and certain ways that we express, and then when we sit down to write, uh, I've published two books and I did the self-publishing route, um, and, and I used a, a you know I used a, a third party that does that, um, but I had I ran into some of the same issues you know where you know, the traditional publishing route was going to eat me alive for pennies, you know, if, if that, um, but by the same token, that was one of the things that, that I struggled with. I know other authors struggle with when you sit down in front of this gray socket, all of a sudden it's like all the English classes we had as kids come, you know, just weighing on your head and shoulders and weighing you down. You're like, Oh wait, I have to make sure I say this correctly and properly. And I can't use certain words or I have to put things in. Yes. You know, the mechanics and, and, and the, and all the rules. And, and I think part of that is like what teachers face in the classroom, whenever they have to implement technology that they're not at all familiar with or comfortable with is like, okay, all teaching grinds to a halt and I have to remember what does this button actually do? Right. So yeah, the mechanics are always, they jump in there. Yeah, I mean, the, the written page already sucks out 
all so much of the emotion of words right because right. you can't you can't hear the voice you can't see the face you can't see the hands moving all that so you have to go almost over the top in your in your writing to approximate the same kind of impact that you would have if you were speaking face to face it's one of the reasons why i always tell people to speak like you need to speak like if you're not um people say like hey i would like to write a book for you I'm like well are you speaking about this stuff and if you're not speaking go speak first because then you'll see what resonates. You'll be able to get kind of mm-hmm. learn your voice. Your and then when you sit down to write your book, it's almost going to feel like cheating because you're just gonna. I'm going to ask you to just type out what you say. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. So, we're just going to record what you just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know that's the thing. I I, I spoke about this message for a year. I, I spoke probably for six or seven years about Teach Like a Pirate before I wrote the book. I would just go anywhere that anyone will listen to me yeah. and talk about Teach Like a Pirate. I mean, I just had an evangelical zeal for the message. And so that's what I tell you. Like, hey, if, if you're not on fire about this stuff, then don't bring it here because right. we're, looking for, you know, we're looking for people that are on fire. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting is uh, your, your energy is uh, infectious. And that's great, even through Skype. I mean, <laughs> even through Skype, your energy is infectious. And I think that's where we are in the classroom is – with our kids today in the 21st century, you know, you got to put on a show. You got to you got to get them excited. And that's forget the iPads and the technology and all that kind of stuff. If you can't get them excited about being in that room and just having a conversation about the topics that you're discussing, then you've just lost the whole ball game right there. You might as well not even don't go out on the field. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like a pirate language we call that create don't just teach a lesson, create an experience, yeah. right? So le- lessons are easily forgotten, but experiences will live forever. You know, they, they may forget some of that prohibition lecture, right? But they'll never forget going to the speakeasy, right? So you have to, you have to create experiences for kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's cool. Well, one of the things that, that you mentioned early on, um, you talked about the P, the passion. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was key was um, – you know, even if the teacher isn't passion, passionate about a particular topic, they still have to come across as passionate. And, and where I'm going with this by extension, because you may not be that teacher, you in the generic sense, you may not be passionate about history, uh, you know, American history and speakeasies, for example, prohibition, but you don't know that one of your students isn't you know what I mean? Oh, and that student may not even know. Right, exactly. Hey, oh, this is awesome. I love this stuff. And suddenly, you know, they end up becoming some kind of historian that uncovers some key piece of, of evidence or, or history or, or just information that like everybody else had missed up to that point, all because you as a teacher, okay, yeah, you, you, know, passion, you, right, yeah. you instilled the passion. You know, okay, yeah, you might have been faking that passion or however you wish to word that. But because you showed that enthusiasm, you showed that passion, all of a sudden that student catches fire. Yeah, absolutely. You, we can't ask our students to be enthusiastic about something with which we are not, right? Right. And right. so um, – and you have to – I also tell people that one of, the, one of the key – one of the top secret ways of hooking kids is rather than spending so much time trying to get them engaged in what we're talking about, we should spend more time tying what we're t- talking about to what they're already engaged in. And so that's part of that report chapter too. You have to know your kids. You have to you have to know what what they're on fire about, and then do everything you can to be relentless about tying what school into that for them, right? And so that they that that's that's how you reach a lot of these kids who come in and they they can't care less maybe about your content to begin with. But 
by 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 knowing them, by building that rapport with them, you can still reach them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry, I had a question. Yeah, I know you do. That's what I was. <laughs> and everybody pause. That's right. I, was, I thought you were going to ask it, man. Yeah. So um, my next question is, what's next? What's next for Teach Like a Pirate? Because I know. I, now that I've met you face to face and I hear you speak, I know that you don't sleep a lot and your brain works like 24 seven and you're yeah. never satisfied with staying in one place. Right. So I hang upside down in the closet for about two hours a night. Yeah. Like a, like a bat and then like I'm ready to go. So, uh, no, so you know what? We are just moving full speed ahead with, uh, first of all, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm constantly around speaking. So one of one of my favorite I talk about in the book, um, my my favorite holiday song is the the little drummer boy, right? And so uh, the reason is is because here's the, here's this kid who doesn't have the fine gifts that everyone else is bringing, right? But what he does have is the drum mm-hmm. and the ability to play that drum like nobody else can. And so that's what he offers as his gift. And that's what I feel about it. There's no finer gift that you can offer the world than to find your drum and to play it for everything that it's worth, right? That's, that's what your gift to the world is. And so uh, when I'm standing in front of teachers, when I'm, when I'm doing the Teach Like a Pirate program, that's me playing my drum. So I love to go and give the, the live program for teachers. And I have a, I have a mentality um, when, I'm, when I'm about ready to start is I'm looking out there and I'm saying, you know what? I'm gonna burn this place down. Like I'm gonna burn. I'm gonna burn this place down ar- around these people, and I'm gonna set them on fire. And I'm gonna have them knocking down walls to get back into their classrooms to teach kids. And so that's a big part of what we're doing. Is I- I'm still doing that. And then plus, we are so we are so passionate about uh, publishing these amazing books by other authors too, and finding just the right messages at the right time to get into educators' hands. And so that's kind of where we're going right now. We have uh, 10 books. As, as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, we have 10 books. And we're going to have at least another 10 in 2016. And it's going to be amazing stuff. That is awesome. That is, awesome. That is very that is cool. cool. I, 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 do, I want to follow up with something you said just because I'm, 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 I'm trying to imagine um, being in one of your sessions, right? So – uh, I, I'm coming in, and just for the sake of argument, I'm a curmudgeon, right? I, I, they're making me come to this. I'm not really into it, or really, I'm, I'm not even sure what to expect. And then you've got your pirate flags, and you're coming out with your earring in, and your head, your bandanas on your head, and you're doing the whole pirate thing. So, yep. so, are you able to, or or are you, or can you see? I'm, I'm trying to think how to word this, but you know, if you saw me. In your audience, or you know, a person who was acting as I'm describing, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, yeah, kind of an Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, we'll stick with the Christmas theme here. <laughs> um, does that? What does that do for you, or to you, or how do you approach that? I, I see that all the time. So you know, there's uh, and there some of my events. People are self-selecting to go, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're, and then it's it's incredible energy, but it's a little also preaching to the choir, right? But I, I know when I get hired by a school or district, there's going to be someone like that that's in the audience. Right. And right. Um, and so I love to watch as they soften, like as they start off like with kind of the arms crossed, like what's this going to be all about? And then uh, eventually, it's it's my job to to break that down, right? And to reach and to reach all those people. And I think I do a good job of doing it. But it's also because um, 
I'm, I'm off it. I, I'm giving them, I'm not saying like, hey, here's the stuff that I read about or did some research on. I'm showing them real world examples of exactly what it looks like in a classroom. And then as soon as they say, oh, wait a second, he's one of us. Like he actually is, I can tell he's done this stuff before. Yes. And that starts to that starts to soften it. Um, and then I also have, there's several things built into the program that will knock down resistance. Like I need to tell them about my classroom experience. I need to tell them who I taught because another thing kids will, well, I can't do that with my kids. Right. 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 And so I have to make sure they know, hey, wait, no, wait a second. I did it with your kids. Let me tell you about my population. Right. And so I know there's several things that I have to build into the program to make sure that I, that I um, make sure those arms uncross and the shoulders relax over the course <laughs> yes. of the yeah. That's oh, That is awesome. Very cool. That is fantastic. We're always checking our show notes here if you wonder what's going on. We, we, we make pretty decent notes, I guess. So I'm, I'm the guy that keeps everything rolling. So, um, Taskmaster. If they want to find the books, Amazon, best place to get them. Uh-oh. Oh, you broke it. Still there? Oh, Sorry. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> what, happened? <laughs> like, what, what happened? Love yeah. technology. So uh, to get the books, we can get it from uh, Amazon, right? Best place? Yeah, so all of our books are, we have 10 books up on Amazon.com right now. They're all there. And um, uh, you can also contact us through DaveBurgess.com or DaveBurgessConsulting.com. And for sure, if you're listening to this program and you're not on Twitter, you have to get on Twitter. It's the number one place in the world where teachers are connecting and collaborating. It is, uh, and you know how there's a lot of people that are negative about education? Uh, they're not there. <laughs> and, and, why, and why would they be, right? The negative teachers are on Twitter because t Twitter is something that you do outside of your normal school hours and you get onto a social media platform and you connect with other educators and try to improve education and make school amazing for kids. And so you're going to run into a, a group of people, which is, it's like a filter. It's a great filter to find amazing educators. And so I'm at Burgess Dave on Twitter and there is a whole community under the TLAP hashtag, T-L-A-P, for Teach Like a Pirate. There's offshoot communities. If you're a science teacher, Sci-T-LAP. If you're a social studies teacher, S-S-T-LAP. Uh, there's Ditch Book for Matt's book. There's Innovator's Mindset for George's book. Zen Teacher for the So we have hashtags for our books, and it's all, they're all uh, unbelievable communities of teachers that are just getting together to talk and communicate. So, so connect with me on Twitter for sure, too. Yeah, cool. Do awesome. you guys do a Twitter chat anytime? Do you, do you ever do a Twitter uh, yep. Chat. Do you have a weekly one? Yep. So every Monday night at eight central is when the mothership, like T lap, <laughs> takes off. <laughs> There's all kinds of offshoot hashtags, but the the mothership launches eight o'clock central every Monday night. That is awesome. That is very cool. We're, we're tweeting it out right now and uh, tweeting out the T lap. All the hashtags. Yeah. Once you hit hashtag TLAP, a whole bunch come up. So, yes. <laughs> yep, you're right. You've got a massive following. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Your following is, is pretty huge. So, uh, hey, um, uh, so we want to thank you for being here. I hope we didn't take up too much of your time because I know you're a busy guy. Oh, you know what? It was my pleasure to join you guys. You guys are uh, doing a great service for educators with this podcast. And I uh, can't wait to get a chance to meet you guys face to face sometime. Absolutely, so, man. Having said that, um, give us the next three places where folks can find you. Yeah, or two, or one. Are you taking off for Christmas, getting a little rest? <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I've packed it up until 2016. Um, but in 2016, I'm going to be all over the place from 
uh, you know, too many places to list. I'm going to be in, in New York. I'm going to be in New Hampshire um, in January. Where else am I going to be? I think in New Jersey as well. Uh, for some reason, I'm in all these cold places. During the- <laughs> yeah, you, you need a new booking agent, man. <laughs> in Wisconsin, Minnesota. Oh, man. So, I'm from San Diego. Like, I don't right. drive. <laughs> I don't drive in that stuff. You know, I just hit me. My wife is my book. It does the booking, and she must, she might possibly be trying to kill me. <laughs> well, uh... I, I was wondering why I was having to sign those insurance papers. I tell you what, um, we will definitely make sure that when the list hits your website, we will share it like crazy on Twitter and on our website and on our show here. Yes. Um, we're going to start taking up collection for you snowmobile of the season um, uh, we want to thank you and i uh, hope you'll hang on a second we're going to jump out real quick and listen to uh nick c a little music so we can uh say goodbye to dave here and thank him for being on the show hey you're listening to radio.edutechguys.com we'll be right back after this song
Nick C and uh, Letting Go. We like to feature Nick C on here a lot. He's uh, actually a relative of one of our people. And, uh, one of our would, people. That would be David. And uh, hey, we just had a great interview with um, Dave Burgess yeah. and Teach Like a Pirate. A really good time with him. That Very dude. Infectious, infectious <laughs> guy. We talking about, wow, Dave talks so fast. He's so energetic. Covered, covered all the topics. All like, the okay, topics wow. In like 10 minutes. <laughs> We we had done we had done our research and we had some show notes and we knew yeah, uh, knew about his program and, and where this, it's growing constantly and what he's doing and so it was really great to get a little answer about the stuff that we've uh, we've read about. So hey, if you want to pick up Teach Like a Pirate or any of the other nine books that come from uh, Dave Burgess Consulting, you can actually go to DaveBurgessConsulting.com. You can go to Dave Burgess or you can definitely just bounce on over to Amazon, look up Teach Like a Pirate, and you'll find that book. And at the bottom, you guys know how that works. They'll show you all relevant uh, purchases that go along with that. In fact, I think they had a, uh, they had a, when I looked at it on uh, Teach Like a Pirate, you could get Teach Like a Pirate and Learn Like a Pirate plus uh, the, the book 50 Things You Can Do with Google Classroom and like a total package, you know, for a, a price. The for total package. package. You know how Amazon the total package stuff together? Exactly. You yeah. Know, like a, um, a, a knife and a body bag. Have you ever seen that on Amazon? I think we need I've to, not seen uh, a knife and a body bag. What This is way off topic. So. on Amazon to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different I don't want to know what's in your cookies. I just know. <laughs> or, or in this case, an eye patch and a hook and maybe a Jolly Roger. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you're listening to radio.edutechguys.com. We're coming to you live from the Southwest Arkansas Educational Cooperative in Hope, Arkansas. Uh, this Did you is see a, that train? It went right off the rail. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I like to drive it sometimes. Hey, you know? I can't tell you how much fun. You can't see this unless you're watching on Periscope. If you hit us up on Periscope right now, Edutech Guys, you can watch this. But when I take this sucker off the off the line, these two, the, their faces are hilarious oh. to watch. Especially David. Laugh David as silently like, as possible. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I do it. That's the uh, lovely thing I do for each other here. Well, and it, what's here's the thing about that. You're you are the self-described, self-prescribed taskmaster guru of the group <laughs> so when you start going off the rails like, oh no I, i'm like wait a minute he's the guy keeping us on track and <laughs> we're just, just the ones shoveling coal he's the engineer <laughs> yeah, the thing I, don't right. know, I never tell you what track <laughs> no, you are right you are so right you never know what tracks we're gonna be on <laughs> you're awesome. listening to radio.edu tech guys and we're describing uh radio shows like a train show <laughs> <laughs> that's right I'm glad that you choo choose us. No, <laughs> no, don't start. No, 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 stop. no. We're not going. I've been, no. I've been kind of on fire today. Nerf reminded. I won't. No, we're not going there. So listen, today uh, we talked about this first of the show. Uh, David and Greg and I had the opportunity with some of our administrators to travel to North Little Rock, Arkansas, on Broadway, right off on exit 141B. I uh, <laughs> take you right there. Man, you're going to just Interstate take them right 30, in. Interstate north or south, 141B, get off on Broadway. <laughs> head towards the Verizon Arena, and it's right across the street, honestly, from the it Verizon is. Arena. It is, honestly. He's not um, lying. Innovation Hub here in Arkansas. Um, the folks there are doing some really cool stuff. Uh, I was very impressed. Um, uh, 
who's our host today? Aaron? Aaron. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, they have some really great people working there. They do lots of stuff with education. They do lots of stuff with innovation. And um, I, I had a great time. I was mm -hmm. impressed with... I kept expecting when you came back and told me about it. You know, when you hear about it, you right. know, I've been there. I was expecting, you know, like massive, like big place, because you know, and I, and I've seen the website which they shot with the fisheye from the corner of the parking lot, which makes it look, you know, massive. So I was thinking, oh, this is a big building. It is a big building, and it's about to be a huge building because right. they're they're adding another fourteen thousand square feet of workspace. But you know, right now they're doing a pretty darn good job with six thousand square feet of workspace. Yes, yeah, they had. Um, Oh man, what half a dozen or more three um, D printers, and and along that line specifically, one of the things that I think is very cool is um, I don't know you as a listener when you when you have a picture of a three D printer in your head, you know what you're picturing. I, most folks probably it's like are a flat picturing... printer, but with an extra dimension to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, much like that. <laughs> Holy crap! All right. Anyway, you probably have something similar to a MakerBot. You know, the kind of big, bulky, which they do have a couple of those. But then they also have what I thought was very cool. Some of the, um, I don't know what you call them, open air, frameless. I don't know right. what it is. But essentially, they've taken the the structure that goes around the 3D printer and removed it. Right. So yeah. that it's just the plate and the, um, the extractor. Nozzle. Yeah. Yeah, and they did no, the same Struder, with, sorry. with printers uh, in that other room. And, and yes. The, the steam room, they had printers where they it was just a printer with, with none of the, the casing, yeah. just the guts. Yeah. So you could see. So you could see what it exactly was doing. what it's printing. And, and, I, and I thought that was very manipulate cool. Manipulate your media if you had to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then um, a bunch of computers and, um, as, as Jeff said, you know, different laser cutters and. Man, they had a massive laser cutter. They had, what, at least two models of laser cutter there. Yeah, they had an 85-watt or an 80-watt, I can't remember, which, and then their new 100-watt. But the 100-watt is not only 100-watt, meaning, you know, powerful, cut your fingers off. Um, but also, it was fast. When mm. we were there, uh, someone, uh, their the project that they were bringing in was, uh, they were making picture frames. And so they had custom you know, written out in whatever software they're using in fonts with different people's names. And, and I think there might have been um, different words, joy and holy and all this kind of stuff uh, around the frame. And then it was printing. I mean, it was as fast as a inkjet, just right, zip, exactly. zip, just zip, etching, zip. What was it, plywood, I think they had in yeah, it? They yeah, were etching yeah. plywood. Yeah, it was probably about, a, what, about an eighth-inch plywood, Something I'd say. Something like that, yeah. And, uh, and, then, and, so it, and so it was doing each of the borders of the frame and then part of the cutout was the it was going to you know then laser yeah, cut yeah, cut the, 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 the plywood, inside yeah. so, so that it was etching and cutting it yes. was etching and cutting that's awesome yeah it was very anyone cool. at the house <laughs> i think everybody needs a laser everyone needs everybody needs a laser well laser actually <laughs> uh greg showed me while we were there yes. uh that there was a kickstarter and they have personal laser cutters it was like 2400 bucks um and they're, yeah, the, I guess they've uh, been funded or they're getting they funded. Just, or, they got funded a little while ago. They, uh, what, they made 27, they only made almost $28 million wow. on this on this Kickstarter. It's called the Glow Forge. You can find it at glowforge.com. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, previous laser cutters and laser etchers were, they're sort of more industrial in the way that they're designed and, and the way you interact with them. But the Glowforge aims to have a much more simplified software suite, so it's a little bit easier to use, a little bit more user-friendly. Uh, it does some stuff where it's got a camera actually attached to the head that's doing the cutting so that it can actually find the medium that you've put in the cutter and you don't have to manually like 
range and find out where the edges are, which is one of the more complicated sort of painful processes of using a laser cutter. Um, and well, and, and to just interrupt you right there, that's one of the things we witnessed them doing. Mm. Um, when when the guy who was doing his project, he, he laid the piece of plywood down and, you know, to us humans, it looked like it was pretty squared up. Right. And so you had, they had, and of course they had to manually locate the upper left corner. Right, exactly. And then they do a test run that comes down the edge. And when the it laser is off. no longer on the edge, yes, you realize, exactly. oh, this no, isn't straight as square. we thought. Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, the Glowforge is a nice little sort of a large desktop unit. It's not quite as big as the one they had. They were, I'm not even sure what the dimensions of the one they had were, but it was gigantic. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more user-friendly, great for sort of like a, a classroom or maybe just a, as a school unit that doesn't need a huge, gigantic, complicated one. They just wanted something sort of small and easy to use to start out with. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a very, it's very cool and recently, it was just recently funded and it looks like it's, it's doing sort of what 3D printers did. You know, 3D printers yeah. have actually been around for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you actually watch the original Jurassic Park, uh, during the opening sequences, they actually show a 3D printer there, and this is like way back in the 90s. It's whenever they were printing the, uh, was it like the, the raptor skull portion, or maybe it was uh, one of those okay. uh, those dinosaurs that made a sound, and he p- picks this oh, item the, up, the, out, the and, he, and, he, yeah, and he yeah, blows through it, right. he makes this sound. Yeah, that was a 3D printer, like way back, wow. you know, okay, back in the cool. 90s. And so 3D printers have done this same sort of path where they've come yeah. from sort of an industrial sort of thing that was very complicated. Well, yeah, that early one, that one was cutting it from a single block. It, know, made, so, it might have been subtractive rather yeah, than additive. Subtractive, yeah. yeah. The, 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 it might have been machining, were but yeah. Also machining it, which is still sure. the same thing. It's still 3D printing. Well, know. yeah. So, yeah, you've got two different. You've got subtractive manufacturing, which takes down from something where you've got like a CNC machine, like a seven axis mm-hmm. or whatever CNC machine. And then you've got additive where you're actually layering, like a, a filament, you're melting it and you're adding layers. And well, I and like have you seen so preservative? Like jams and jellies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the. Um, uh, I can't remember what they called it, but basically they called it the teleporter, where they took a 3D scanner that uh, that subtracted through laser each layer, oh. and then on the other end, transmitted it to a 3D printer oh, that wow. then printed it in reverse. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so That's... teleportation, you know. <laughs> it's a little bit slow. It is a little slow, yeah, and 15 it... hours later, and yeah. you might not have all your parts. <laughs> So yeah, 3D printing is, has done sort of the same path where it's become much more accessible. Um, and it's still a little rough. There's still a lot of, you know, whenever a 3D print fails, it's quite amusing. I have some friends that do 3D printing <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's sort of a, a famous uh, test whenever you're leveling the bed and you're getting the 3D printer set, you'll print like a cube. And you want to make sure it's all square because your 3D, if your 3D print head wanders, it'll wind up being not quite square. So it's sort of a basic test. But if you have a catastrophic failure where you have like a, a layer that doesn't adhere to the last one, what should be a cube comes out looking sort of more like spaghetti or a bird nest <laughs> because the, it just goes everywhere. So it's definitely got a ways to go, um, but it's a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah, very cool. Uh, one of our listeners, Tammy Glass uh, from Stone yeah. Hill, uh, yeah. she just said that she thinks that their Agri has uh, their FFA department has a uh, a laser cutter. Mm. That's oh, interesting. Cool. We have a plasma cutter at Hope that we've had for years. You know, plasma mm-hmm. cutters, same thing. You know, except plasma cutter will oh. cut through metal like it's it's a butter. It's, it's right, exactly. butter. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, I know they do because uh, if you, I can't remember if it's on the uh, Spring Hill 
school Spring Hill Public Schools Facebook page, or it may have actually come from our um, career and technical ed uh, specialist, uh, Floyd Morris. He had posted pictures of it in action. They were cutting out razorbacks out of metal. Oh, wow. oh, that's cool. Yeah, he just posted that the other day. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for reminding us, Tammy. That's yeah. phenomenal. That's a, so, yeah, Innovation Hub. Back to you. We got off on the Yes, exactly. we did. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's literally just a, a small percentage of what they do. Yeah. Uh, their steam room is pretty amazing. Uh, maker bots, the little tinker bots. Uh, yeah, they had, they had little bits. They had Legos. They had, uh, they had a bunch Arduinos, of stuff. Arduinos, Raspberry Pis. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, they have a little bit of everything. The thing that was really neat was right there. I don't know if you guys noticed, but... There was a lady there with her product um, talking. Yes. Yeah. And yes. she was talking to, I believe, the director. Um, I think that was. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, she was talking to Joel, who was the director of the um, the, uh, the launch pad. Launch pad. And, and he was helping her with, I guess, some product ideas mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And so that's what the innovation hub's about that, you know, maybe you have an idea or you're already selling a product and doing a business. You just need to know what to do next or right? you exactly. want to take it to the next level. And that's what she was there doing there. Is that she had, a, I think it was a seasoning. It was, oh, it was, it was, a, it was some her, kind of a little sister salsa or saw, yeah, something. I saw it on her, yeah, car, I saw it on her yeah. car. So I'd love to give her a shout out if I can remember what it was. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's what it was. I'll tell you, you, you keep talking keep and I'll talking. find it. Well, the other cool part about the place was is that their uh, their workshop area where they had their woodworking and their mm. their, their welding. Uh, you know, it's funny when you, when people. I think when people walk into a woodworking area, if you've ever been to a real carpenter's right. workshop then you'll know what a real one works looks like. Right. And that one was a real one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, it's, it's not this crystal pristine you no. know, television show workshop. That's no. not what it is. I mean, it's a workshop, um, which I will say it was clean. They had a dust Oh, yeah, they system. had a dust, dust system. And they had this dust. massive router, that, that, that digital router. Oh, my gosh, the thing was huge. You could lay down an entire eight-by-four-foot eight plywood and digital route out any sign you wanted. You yeah. Know? That was... Pretty amazing. That was. Their welding shop was really nice, and she had shown us uh, four or five tables that they just welded. Yeah. And those were um, those were aluminum-based tables. That's if you don't know, you saw me. I was I was I was trying to see if it was steel. No, those were aluminum tubing. That is hard to weld. Heliarc, uh, isn't that right? In the Heliarc. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't it's, get me lying. That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. You just yeah, welding lie. welding up uh, welding aluminum is a lot like welding butter. <laughs> I mean, it melts very. It's 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 it, melted. Yeah, it's, it's like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Oh, I just oh, melted. Oh, melted. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But besides that, I think the big deal is the co-working space that they're about to open up. That's, that's in my opinion, going to be huge for Little Rock. It's going to be huge for the Innovation Hub. And I love that, that they call it the Silver Mine. Yeah. I think that's pretty neat. Yes, exactly. Um, and that they're going to have an accelerator. Um, and if you don't know about accelerators, those are happening all over the country and have been for a long time, mostly big cities because they have a lot of investors. And what they do is the investors are not just investors, they're mentors. And so a lot of these have so many people apply for the accelerator, they have to have a competition. So you apply for it, you come in, you do your elevator pitch, then you come in and you do your big pitch, and then they'll choose as many companies as they can afford to choose. There still might just be one winner. Right. But what's nice is for about a year's time, 15, 25, just depending on how many they choose, those businesses, um, those startups, those entrepreneurs will have this vast array of resources at mm-hmm. their disposal, which could be all of the investors. And so, you know, who, who better to tell you how to run a business than people that have the money to invest back into businesses? Right. And so you have all these resources 
of you know the the co-working site itself the accelerator itself and then they they partner you with a mentor you've got all these mentors to work off of and so that's really smart in any size yeah uh, to start building local businesses mm -hmm. you know a local business is not just a shoe store or um, a hardware store or a bakery or a coffee shop or a restaurant um, those are all vitally important but those places need accountants and those places need graphics mm -hmm. and those places need you know textile production and so I think when we start to get back to that in this country I, th I think that's it maybe we've forgotten how to do small business maybe in all this tech push and all this you got to go to college we've forgotten that somebody's got to flip the patties and somebody's got to make the table and somebody and it, why not walk down the street and I can have tablecloths made right here in this textile factory sure. that's in my town that employs 15 people instead of ordering them from you know across the world right or even better I help them get so powerful that they're then selling online and sending around the world and right. part of that is just discovery you know like here in hope we've got a plastic factory pyramid I mean plastics. pyramid plastic I mean you would not think that hope Arkansas would have a plastics manufacturing facility and I mean, right. it's just they're a hardcore plastic yeah. manufacturing facility right here in hope they can pretty much do anything that you want yeah you know, they can retool pretty quickly and prep it and, and I think that that's that's where the innovation hub idea just getting be, people it, together it doesn't have to be a twenty thousand square foot building right not no. full-time staff it could be a, a a meeting building here we could be a metal building with a concrete floor and, sure. and, and just the work area that you need to get together with people yeah. and figure out what you're going to do yeah whenever you look at pictures of other maker spaces that are around the country a lot of them are uh, not to be insulting, but almost as a compliment, they're primitive. They're just very functional. It's right. like, okay, here's all this amazing stuff and all these amazing people, but the building that it's in is just there to keep it dry and lit. Yeah. And, right, you know, exactly. Electricity, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing that this innovation hub does too, also prototyping. Yeah. And, and yes. see, there's the interesting part is everyone in their life has thought of something that they would like to make. And you might not have the, the know how to make it, and mm -hmm. you might not know where to go and even get that idea. Right. You know, the Innovation Hub has an, an engineers on staff and people there to help you take you know, that idea and make reality out of it. And it's funny to think that, I love the George Foreman Grill commercial where he talks about the one on TV where you, you send them your ideas and they'll help you take an invention and make it. Oh, yeah. And then it says like, you know, 98% of these inventions never happen. Right, right. exactly. And then, right. and then the 2% the that do, well, we own like 60% of that. Yeah, right. We make 90% of the profit. So. Right. But that's not what's happening up there. No. And I think that's an interesting part of what's happening in an innovation hub co-working center is that you come in with a prototype and you get it built. And... The people there are just as excited as you are, and they go, hey, you know, you need to go right back here to the Silver Mine Co-working Center, and you need to work with these people in marketing this. Mm -hmm. And then walk over here to our graphics side and let them get your graphics built for you so you can put it out on Twitter and Facebook and the whole bit. Right. I, I really think that that's, that's, to me, is the essence of America and just the human spirit of evolving oh, know, sure. entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yes. Well, and you know, and you mentioned you know, if you walked in with a prototype, I you know, even if you don't have that, if you just have a mental picture of what you think you might want to make, right? You know, the the very cool thing about innovation hubs is they can take that, they can help you take that from that very beginning. Okay, let's get the idea out of your head, and and you know, if you need it on a napkin first, okay, let's do a right, napkin. Exactly. Okay, now let's take the napkin and translate that onto the computer. Okay, now we're gonna if if it's a three D thing, let's right, just say. Exactly. Okay, now let's make it three D, and now let's print out this prototype. And oh wait, that's not quite what I wanted. Let's tweak this. And, iterate, oh, iterate, iterate. Yes, exactly. And then like you said, Jeff, you you take all those next steps. 
you know, marketing and graphics and how do I, you know, how do I get this online? And in fact, I tried to find the salsa uh, stuff online. I know it was called Sista's Salsa. I don't, there were other words around it, frankly. I just can't picture them in my brain right now. I can't find them online. So it could very well be that that was part of the reason why she was there. Right. You know, we saw the little magnet on the side of her car. It had a phone number and something, something, Sista's Salsa. And that, and that was it. So she may be saying, hey, you know, how do I, how do I take this further? What's my next yeah. step? Where, where do I go to get this out there? Yeah, it was very cool. It was awesome. Had a great time. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, I hate to wrap this love fest up for uh, the Innovation no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> But we're getting close into that time again. Uh, hey, listen, next Man. week, uh, we're getting so close to Christmas. Christmas. We're pretty excited about Christmas around here because we get off. <laughs> no, we don't have to work. Well, Yay. you know, after everybody else sleeps and we have a few hours to yeah. days to do it our own. Oh, well, okay, a couple of weeks. Okay, we'll, we'll probably true. not work. We'll probably not get a whole lot of time off. But anyway. <laughs> Mute his mic. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm the boss. I get to make those decisions. Go home. Yeah, Fine. Right. So listen, next week on the show, we'll be playing some of the best of. And it will yeah. be a lot of mostly interviews from the AES, AEA, AESA conference that we were in in well, happened, two weeks ago. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah. And uh, some other stuff from the uh, Hour of Code down in Spring Hill. Uh, back to the shows that we've done, uh, the 25 shows that we've done up to this point. Um, I think it's been a really fun run, and we're. But the next time we will be live with you guys, will be in 2016. Will be the new year. Yeah, ah, yeah, that's so. going to be awesome. Yeah, I guess uh, whatever that January 6th or whatever that Wednesday is. I don't know off the top of my head, and really, it's almost time for our break, so we don't really care. We'll be back <laughs> that Wednesday. <laughs> hey, listen, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you have a very uh, happy holiday. Yes. And uh, you're listening to RadioDigitechGuys.com. I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm Greg Moore. And I'm David Henderson. I want to thank Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools for letting us do this. And also thanks to CDWG for uh, helping us out with some of the equipment. We hope you all have a happy holiday season. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site this program to those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. This is Ross Romano from The Authority here on the B Podcast Network. It's the show where I interview people who know what they're talking about, and no matter your role, we have some recent episodes you won't want to miss. I spoke with Mark Miller, international best-selling author and VP of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A, about his brand new book, Culture Rules. Kate Everly Walker, CEO of Presence and author of The Good Boss, joined the show, and we've had conversations with Baruti Caffele, Peter DeWitt, Julie Evans, and many more. Join us each week for ideas to address your current pain points, new perspectives from authors you admire, and fresh takes from up-and-coming voices. Subscribe to The Authority Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.